I call her Dr. B, but her name is Bernadette Thomas. She's awesome. I'm gonna let she, I'm gonna let her tell you all about herself. Today we're gonna be talking about empathy and how, as a motherless daughter, having that hole, that brokenness, how you can give yourself empathy as well as to others. But you know, me, I got it very young, very young. And I understood when she used to call me Miss Hollywood when I was five, that that wasn't normal for her to call me that because I liked clean things. I liked, I was poor as a church mouse, but I liked my clothes clean. And I liked to look as presentable as I could being an impoverished child. So instead of her saying, look at her making the best of our little bit, she nicknamed me Miss Hollywood. She didn't, she didn't ever say I'm sorry. If she could ever get to the point where she could say I'm sorry, I, I wasn't a good mom. I shouldn't have burnt you guys on the stove or threw you down several flights of stairs or punched you or hit you with a bag of glass and, you know, there's a long list. It hurts me that the biological couldn't say that she was sorry. She repeatedly, to this day, tells her, you just need to get over it. See, <clears throat> right there, you were just exercising empathy. Yes. Right there. Mm -hmm. And you can have empathy for your mother. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have contact with her. Because if you... <laughs> if your interaction with her is unhealthy, I mean, it's not going to... You're not going to be your best. What's the essence of you being around her? But that does not mean that you cannot empathize with her. So it's okay for you to have empathy for her from afar. Mm-hmm. Like, very far, though. <laughs> How far? Well, you know, my sister, who I love madly, dearly, I watched her all the way up into my, oh, Lord, my mid-30s hmm. chase this woman for love. And hear me at five going, uh, okay. Um, getting it at five. And I watched her chase and chase and chase and chase and chase and never once did this woman have anything to bear. Nothing. She just was just as nasty and rotten and just cruel as she was when we were young. I mean, my sister had children fairly young. Not She was not in her teens, but she was like, you know, 20. And she started having kids fairly young. And the best thing that this biological vessel could do for her was go in her house and take a market bag out or several market bags out and take the little bit of food my sister was getting from assistance and bag it up in, in bowl. Or did you get your food stamp? Can I get a book? It was never about, hey, I've been a mother. Let me help you. So I think you have to be careful of letting them into your life because Although you want it, it it probably doesn't have anything. It's not authentic. That's what I think. And it could, it's probably going to turn around and bite you. Yeah. It's going to hurt you. And if you remember how you felt when you were hurt, I wouldn't invite that in. I mean, I wouldn't invite it in. I watched my sister keep inviting and keep inviting and keep inviting. I mean, it got so bad one time. She, When I was in the Air Force, she called the... What is it? The Drug Enforcement 
Authority, the <laughs> DEA, whatever the narcotic cops are. I don't know. Um, I have a DEA license, so I'm trying to associate that. But anyway, um, to write prescriptions. <laughs> Let's be honest here. But um, controlled prescriptions. But anyway, moreover, um, she called them on my sister because she was not happy with something that happened with my sister. She called these people and told them that my sister uh, had drug dealers living at her house. So I'm in the Air Force all the way down South Florida past Miami at Homestead Air Force Base. And my sister's calling me, telling me that a stakeout is happening to her house. And she can't even tell them that it's not, she's, it's not her. It's not, she's doing this out of spite. She's trying to hurt me. And it really messed up a lot. I mean, it didn't mess me up. I mean, I'm still doing my job fine in the Air Force, but it, 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 it threw you off. It threw me off. So, and you know, and this, and even, and that's just a little icing for this kid, kind of, I, I have stories, a scroll, but um, even, she never would stop chasing this invisible love, this love that wasn't tangible, and it drove me nuts, because I had to see her hurt, which hurt me, so I will never encourage anyone to reconnect, and that may not be healthy for some people, but... If they couldn't love you in your most vulnerable age, your most vulnerable ages, I don't know if they're going to bring it together when you're grown. <laughs> See, your sister, I was your sister. With my brother used to get so angry and so mad hmm. because I used to chase my mother for her love. Ooh. I did everything I could try to be that daughter at one point, I went to her, even though she was never there, mm -hmm. never cared. Mm -hmm. I could die. It don't mean nothing to her. And I went to her and I said, I don't know what I've done to you, but can you please forgive me? Oh. I did. I went to her asking her for her forgiveness so she could love me. And it took, what I'm telling you, because the society that I grew up in, and I always tell you, you guys know this, the society that I grew up in, they instilled in me that I must, something must be wrong with me for my mother not be able to love me. So when I, I, I used to go through this, you know, you guys know I did an episode where I said I was looking for my mother. I was going from, I mean, I was going from person to person looking for my mother. Right. And when I couldn't get it, I would be so broken. I would be every like two days or something. I would go through an emotional turmoil like every other day. I used to be exhausted of that. It was just exhausting. So I figured in my head that if I go and ask for forgiveness, that will mean that my life will be different and that I will get the love that I deserve. And I remember I was literally on my knees. And I remember having this conversation and my mother, all she said was like, we'll talk about it later. Mm. And I walked away like, what? Like, what in the world? Like, what's happening here? Mm. And I tried for years with her, her family, mm. her, her mother. I even had her mother come to live with me, my grandma come to live with me because I thought that we will all have an amazing relationship that backfired on me. Like you wouldn't believe mm -mm. it was awful. It was 
awful to the point that my uncle said to me at one point, you guys know this story I told you before. I I don't know, something happened between my grandmother, my uncle and I, and my uncle got so upset. And he said to me, as I was driving to work, he was like, if only your mother would have aborted your pregnancy, my family would still be together. Yes. And my mother got so upset for the fact that I got upset that my uncle said that to me. See what I'm saying? Don't seek it out. Mm-hmm. That's when I learned. <laughs> I'm telling you, at 33, the number 33 is so major to me yeah. because it's at that time that I was like, F this. What's the point? You can't feel for me. You can't see my hurt. You can't feel my hurt or my pain or whatever. What's the point? I honestly feel for us, if someone would give us a Maya Angelou book when we were like 10, we would have turned out to be pretty strong women (laughs) because she has so many like short and to the point things that capture so much information for us. Like, when for the simple one that says when people show you who they are believe them i mean that to me is like and so many others that she wrote and i read that stuff to this day and i'm like dang if i could have just learned read this when i was like 10 it would have saved me so much time but to get some of that negative energy out of your life and see how rewarding it is to actually care about people and be kind and give those little things that uh, would have been beneficial to us as children uh, from mothers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that empathy thing, uh, putting that to use is those hugs that you missed, is those added girls that you didn't get, is that you're smart, you're important, you matter, that you never heard. Uh, Empathy is those things that reward you without saying those phrases. Empathy goes right in those holes when you give it and what you get back fills right in those voids. It sits in there and gives you a minute to go. (sighs) Because you, who come from hurt, um, know what it feels like to be hurt and you know what it feels like when you want someone to uh, care about you and want someone to be concerned and find that you're important and listen to you like you matter so providing empathy to people uh, is something that you want to do out of kindness out of selflessness but also at the same time you get some voids filled, even if it's just for moments, because our voids never fill. Let me just be honest. <laughs> but even if for moments we get that respite, that peace, that all is right in the world and you matter, those things that should have been said to you come in a quiet whisper from what you get back from giving empathy. So being selfless, being kind, doing things that are uncomfortable, like gosh, I see this guy's hungry. I don't want to pay $7 for the sandwich and go walk it over to him. Mm. But then you say, you know what? I'm going to go grab the sandwich real quick and walk it over. And the guy is like, his day is made. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? His little can that he has, I don't know, 50 cents or a bunch of pennies in. He doesn't have to worry about filling that up. He's going to have a sandwich. However, I'll leave you with this. What he has or does not have is not your business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people will see people doing things and and you're like, oh, I know he's probably got $100 collected today. That's not your business. Your business is what you're doing, your empathy, what you're doing for that person. You know what I mean? What all the other underlying stuff is not your business. And that's what I teach too in patient care. She had on that Gucci jacket and those gold earrings. Oh, yeah. Well, you don't know what she had to do to get it. <laughs> huh. You don't know what she had to put up with. Okay. And, and furthermore, do you know if it's even real? Because I know we do bootlegs, right, in my community. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, what is underneath is not your business. Being empathetic is you caring about someone, you being concerned about someone that has nothing to do with what the underlying thing is going on with them. You see, you you act, they respond nine times out of ten in a positive way that fills in those voids and gives you those hugs. So we need it. We need that. We need to um, do good for people because... People didn't do good for us, especially the one person that should have. And mothers are so important to mm -hmm. sons. I've learned that as a mother of a son. Mercy, Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, I learned how mothers... I'm very, very, very strict on teaching my son how to love. Mm -hmm. I hug him. I tell him how important he is, how smart he is, how he matters. I celebrate him. I break him down when I have to because he's spoiled. Um, but my presence in his life is profoundly important. My presence in my daughter's life is profoundly important because if I don't show them courage, a warrior, a multitasker, a confident, proud woman, a, a, a smart woman, a nice woman, a fearless woman, an empathetic woman, a kind woman, a person who can take on the world, if I don't show them that, who do I expect to do that? Who should do that? Mm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Who should do that? So think of us being released into the world without any of that. Imagine all the men running around without any of that. Who should have showed them the how to love the mm -hmm. most? Who should have showed them how to love the most? Because sons learn how to love from their mothers. I completely, completely, completely agree with that. And if you grow up as a son without a mother, there are people who step in. I know that. I know people get raised by their grandmothers and whatnot, but that is not your mother. Because mm -hmm. no one can fill that void. No. No one can fill that void. And I have learned that I need to see whomever I'm going to marry or date or whatever. I need to see a relationship with your mother. How was she? Oh, that is very important because I cannot date because some some of some of these men are raised by women, but they did not teach them what it is to be a husband and to love. So I cannot be dating someone or being in a relationship with someone that does not know what it means to feel 
for the other person. You got to be able to feel for me. You got to have compassion. You got to have kindness. I don't care what kind of car you drive, what you bring. I need you to be able to show me these things because you got to remember, I am coming to the table, bringing all of these things. I need you to bring it. So I need to know and see how you interact with your mother. Is your mother kind to you? Is she loving? Is she supportive? Does she hold you accountable? These things are very important. Now we're going off topic. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? Teaching my son how to love helps him be empathetic to people. And the funny thing about that is I get irked because we'll be out in public and my son doesn't skip a beat to get the door for someone or pick mm-hmm. up someone or help someone. My son doesn't miss a beat to do that. And people turn to me and go, oh, he's such a nice boy or he's such a nice young man. No, I did my job, boo. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> I did my job, That's and he's right. doing behaviors that say my mom loves me. My mm-hmm. mom showed me to be kind in the world. My mom showed me that these little things that I do for people matter. This is important. Just simply holding the door for 30 people, sometimes he does, um, It you know, brightens their day. You know what I mean? And that gives back to him because he feels proud that he helped people. So, I mean, just imagine us in the world. And how difficult it is for us to empathize with people when we were never loved. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It is very hard. Yeah, you have to you have to learn that at some point, and that that was the case for me. But you, you literally figured out your life at five. That's what I feel like. At yeah. five years old, where did that come from? Like I, I have been trying to get back to that for a minute. Like where did that come from? At five, I was so lost. I was like, <laughs> I didn't even know what was happening to me. Well, I realized I was poor. Oh. I realized I was poor. I realized. At five? Yeah. But how did you realize, like, oh, is it from watching your sister that you were like, oh, she's trying too hard and she's still not getting it, so why should I? Is that where that comes from? Well, no, there were some behaviors and things that I was aware of that my friends, it was different from my friends. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be out playing and no one ever called me to say it's time to eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. I hear my friend's mom's calling them, saying it's time to eat. You know what I mean? And I'm like, am I getting the call? You know what I mean? Or people saying, we're going to go, I don't know, to the supermarket. I'm going to supermarket with my mom. Or I'm going to go to the baseball game with my dad. And those are not even good examples. But just seeing people around me and their dynamics of their family were so different from mine. And me realizing that, oh, I don't know if she can do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So she, she and I, honestly, because of that, she knew I knew. She knew I knew. Oh, she must have not liked that. She didn't. But she couldn't catch me because I could run fast. (laughs) So she caught me a lot. But I could say some real slick stuff and run out the door and be gone for about six or eight hours. And by the time I'd be done, she'd either forgot or she had had some juice and she didn't care. And so that was, I didn't do it often because I didn't want her to think that there was a pattern. Uh, and young enough to know that that's crazy, right? But I did sometimes do some behaviors to um, distract her too, because uh, she used to beat my sister pretty 
Yeah, it's disturbing. Mm -hmm. um, and in order to get her to stop doing that, I used to be create diversions. I'd throw dishes. I would throw the dish pan full of dishes. And if you do that and someone is unstable and they hear that, <laughs> they'll come in that direction and leave the direction, would leave the area that they are in. So it was just so much like, and man, I tell you, oh, I thank God that I am a mother and that I value that and hold that so sacred. So don't be scared. It really, um, it really will. And you won't be that. You you can't be that. Because if you're here watching this and listening to this and understanding that she and I, is it she and I or her and I? <laughs> we'll, we'll work that out later. I know. We made it. We're not perfect at it, but mm -hmm. we made it. So motherhood is not impossible. It is. Everything that you've been through uh, and went through is what you use to not become. You yeah. use that as who you don't want to be. And mm -hmm. it helps you develop empathy towards your children. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? You want to have empathy towards them because you want to understand that they love you back. So when you empathize with them, of course, what comes in, you know, <laughs> smooches and all that good stuff and high fives and all this nice talk that you're like, that's right. I got this. <laughs> so, I mean, it, we have a lot to do and no one really understands us. We have a lot of explaining to do and sometimes I'm not as nice with my ex explanations. I'm like, look, my mother beat me half to death. Okay. I was in foster care, group homes and every kind of thing you can think of. My life was hell. Okay. But it turned out okay. <laughs> I try to summarize it. And I, sometimes that helps people understand my personality better, but no one ever fully understands us because they had mothers mm -hmm. or mommies um, that, you know, they had some level of support. So when you grow up without any... Yeah, it's hard for you to grasp it to like now. I, I don't even try with friends that grew up with moms. Oh, no, no. I, I don't even, it's like a waste of my time because no. they're never going to understand it. For them, it's just a, you know, it's like a, like what? Like... You know, they don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Like, what else can you do? My ponytails were slick and and my clothes were clean. And I said, y'all seen this pose earlier. I sat on the couch like this while the lady came and me and my sister sat side by side smiling. Everything great. We didn't say that, but we smiled like everything was great. Wow. Yes. So no one knew that this woman was terrorizing me and my sister. No one knew. No one knew. She burned us on the stove. My aunt came over and saw that me and my sister had burn marks up our arms because she put us on the stove and burn us on the burners. And my aunt came over. She didn't say anything to the vessel. She just kind of um, looked at me and my sister kind of like horrified and then I don't know. They chit chat, whatever, and then she left. And then a lady did come by, a social worker did come by. But when you're sitting like this, who will see? Do you think that mothers should be tested for mental illness, like before? Should it be a requirement to be tested? Because there's someone that I interviewed. She's a nurse, and she does this program in Philly, where from 
the age of birth to two, she's with the mother helping them cope and go through. And so we went through this sexual educational class and she was saying that she's going to insert that into her learning for the the mothers, things to identify, things to look at and how they can be and all of that. So for her, I was just like, hmm, that is so good that these new moms are having this experience on how to go through motherhood. You know, so do you think that mothers should either have that or a mental assessment before becoming a mom? I think, uh, I I wouldn't, how would you say, I think uh, a one-on-one, like, when people become pregnant, I think, you know, like a one-on-one not necessarily with a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but maybe like a social worker to identify areas of concern. Because mm-hmm. I think social workers' approach and psychologists' approach or psychiatry or any of that are different. Mm-hmm. I mean, social worker, you know, we're looking at the social dynamics of all these structures. So I think, you know, maybe... And not like from social services, because there are social workers that work independently and, you know, help families and couples and all this other stuff with their social issues. So um, I think incorporating something like that into like the new mom, uh, whatever the routine is for new moms, Mm -hmm. the kind of so they can identify areas of concern early and uh, create a, a plan to address that. I mean, I think that would be helpful um, because no one likes the stigma. You need to go see a psychiatrist. You need to see a psychologist, blah, blah, blah. No one likes that. I think a social worker, you know, or uh, I don't know, you could maybe come up with an even fancier name to have someone that's not so, I don't know, not so much making your mental health the focus, but kind of looking for areas of concern. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I like what um, the nurse that I interviewed, I like what she's doing because I feel like that is such a foundation for mothers. Like, being a mom is not an easy thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not an easy thing, but you have to be open. You have to be open to the process. You have to be willing to learn, you know, and for these mothers to have that to me is considered a resource to have. Like when you're having doubts, you're having questions, you're not sure what to do. You have that for two years of your child's life where they come and visit you in the home just to see how you're coping as a mom and all these different things that she does. I feel like it should be implemented everywhere. It should not just be in Philly. I've never heard of it in Delaware. But I think it's just in Philly right now. No, you should come back at like five so when kids can really talk. I know. <laughs> come back at five. Come back at five. <laughs> when kids can really tell you what's going on. Because I have a lot to say at five, but no one was there to hear me. Oh, my gosh. And believe me, we were on the assistance, the government assistance. Yes, I know all about the cheese and all that other carrying on. But like when social workers used to come to our house, I, when I tell you my hair was quaffed, my ponytails were slick and and my clothes were clean and I said y'all seen this pose earlier I sat on the couch like this while the lady came and me and my sister sat side by side smiling everything great (laughs) we didn't say that but we smiled like everything was great wow yes so no one knew that this woman was terrorizing me and my sister no one knew 
No one knew. She burned us on the stove. My aunt came over and saw that me and my sister had burn marks up our arms because she put us on the stove and burn us on the burners. And my aunt came over. She didn't say anything to the vessel. She just kind of um, looked at me and my sister kind of like horrified. And then, I don't know, they chit-chat and whatever. And then she left. And then a lady did come by, a social worker did come by. But when you're sitting like this, who will see? You know, your arms are not up. The burn parts are not shown. And you smile and your hair's together and you have on your nice little outfit. So who would know? <sighs> but anyway, I think coming back again <laughs> in that process would probably be very helpful for children who don't have a voice and can't really tell other people what's going on. Um, my vessel was smart enough to figure out how to get around stuff mm -hmm. uh, to hide her wrongdoings. So, mm. but um, I, I think that program would be great, uh, especially for young mothers. They need mm -hmm. some direction if they don't have right. a figure in their life that can be, you know, a support or at least a positive example. Um, I think that would be great to maybe, you know, come back around a little later to make sure everything is going well. Because mm -hmm. we don't want that. We don't want that for them. We don't want that for other people's children. Maybe a, a lesson, if not anything, like a class. I don't know. Something has to be done because there are a lot of, like, I talk to a lot of people and they talk about some of the things that they have experienced. And sometimes I'm just like, I have no words other than silence. Mm -hmm. I literally have no words. I cannot stand the fact that society assumes Every mother is a good mother. They mm. hold mothers to this, like, prestige. Like, they're just amazing. They're all great. They're all amazing. Lies. Yeah. Lies you tell. Yeah, they are. They are very good lies. <laughs> there, are <laughs> there are a lot of mothers that are just not good people. And for me, I think, you know, my mother is just... I mean, I, I I nicknamed her Ice Cold. That's what I have her saved under. I have her. So when I see it and the picture is like a, a pile of ice in the mountains. Okay. And I'm not trying to be any kind of way, but it's just like zero emotions, no feelings, no whatever, nothing when it comes to me. So when I see that, I know who I'm going to be speaking with. And I know how to conduct myself if I do pick up. I mean, now I don't. For me, it's fully no contact because I cannot engage in anything that is not conducive for me. It's not going to promote healing or my health. I cannot engage. I can't tell you what to do. You can do whatever you want, but for me, no. Yeah. For me, either. <laughs> for me, either, no. And I feel like that... You know, once I accepted that, I feel good. Like, mm -hmm. I, I honestly, I don't wish any ill will. I don't mm -hmm. wish any That's harm. Right. I'm not, like, plotting anything. Like, I don't wish any of that. I don't even think about it. And I realize how my life is better because of it. I mean, someone told me in therapy many years ago, they don't have to be in your life. You can care about them. 
I mean, I don't... I mean, honestly, for me, and this might sound harsh, but honestly, for me, her well-being is not a concern for me. I don't wish her any ill will or any harm outside of me. But I also find that anytime I've ever had a little bit, I allow a little bit of her, too much comes with it. I mean, so much comes with it. It ends up being, oh, it overwhelms me. Because I still am just baffled by who treats their children this way. So, but it is definitely a personal choice. I mean, some mothers aren't as some <laughs> some vessels float a little nicer in the current. <laughs> so, guys, you have the power to decide who you want in your life and who you don't. So, don't let me force you or tell you what to do. You get to decide. So, what is your one word for my motherless daughters? Your one word of encouragement, support, and why? My one word is warrior. That's my one word. No one can survive what we survived if you weren't a warrior. I mean... Even to this day, even though you feel imperfect and you feel that you're different from the other women, uh, they clearly couldn't survive what you did. So that doesn't make them less warrior-like, but it doesn't make them the same as the type of armor you wear. Yours is different, but you are a warrior. You're a fighter. You're a survivor. Um... And you're always seeking and looking and searching for answers because you didn't get them. And you want to know why about a lot of things. But at the same time, every day you get up, every day you take a step forward, every day you fight for who you want to be, even if you're not successful at it. You still want to be better. You still want to matter. You still want to feel important. You still want to feel empowered. You still want all those things that other people don't have to fight so hard for. But you're a warrior. You are someone who gets up despite of everything you went through, despite of everything that hurt you and broke you and bent you and made you feel less than, I mean, less than a human being is even less than that. You don't have the love that should have given you the strength and power you needed to navigate this world. So, I mean, you can't tell me ever, I am not a warrior. I will scorch this earth for my kids to make sure that I can navigate in this world myself. So we're warriors. We're a different kind, but we're warriors. We are not the same as other people. We're not. And when you embrace that and understand that, then it will be easy for you to tell people. Because we shock a lot of people with our personalities. <laughs> They're not ready sometimes. So being a warrior empowers you to explain to them very quickly and briefly, you know, who you are. And they get it. I, I really have people around me who are like, but still. No, they're like, damn, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it changes the dynamics in the energy. So, I mean you have to be a warrior. You won't survive it. You won't survive it. You will not survive it without understanding that you're a warrior. And if you are here now after experiencing all of that, 
there's no other explanation. You're a warrior. You are. You're here now. After all of that experience, and probably some more experiences more if you're still trying to get that love, that tangible love that's impossible. But I mean, every day that you get up and acknowledge that here we go again, another day to fight, that's warrior mode. Period. <laughs> I am a warrior. You are a warrior. Oh, yeah. She's a warrior. We all are. Let's keep it moving. And why should people listen to Empowering Mothers Daughters podcast? Because it's a place and a space for you to see people who are just like you. And it doesn't have to be physical characteristics. We're talking about experiences that change our lives, that have given us experiences situations and experiences and relationships that we can't really kind of figure out and kind of navigate through and you might get little bits and pieces from us to help you put the pieces pieces of the puzzle back together so being in a space where people are just like you is empowering because you get information you get uh things that can help you uh move forward because we know how quickly we can move backwards if we let these people into our life. If she lets ice cold back in, if I let the vessel back in, oi. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it becomes, it overwhelms me. So mm -hmm. and this is a space for you to contribute to, whether it's email or, you know, however, contact information um, or to just listen and, you know, and, and apply some of this information. It's just a space for you to come and know that you are not alone. That people do care about you. People know your pain, maybe on different levels, maybe different experiences of pain. But people understand that that emptiness is real. It can turn into something very ugly or it can turn into something that you control. You That you are in control of it. You create strength and power and you do something positive with it like empathy. You do something that is good. Not only does it help people, but it, re it rewards you. So this is a space where you can come and feel like you belong. Okay. So now I want you to tell them how they can reach you. Like Instagram, Facebook, what you're all about. I know you give them a glimpse earlier, but just a little bit in depth because I'm going to put all of that information at the bottom. Well, you know what I like, and I and this is what I do like. I like Instagram simply because if something happens good for you, I want to see it. If something happens for you that's showing that you have strength and you are in warrior mode and moving forward, I want to see it. If something happens to you and you just write words, I want to encourage you and lift you and tell you that it's possible to move forward, to grow, to find strength. So I like Instagram. I like to see with my eyes. I mean, we can email and all that all we want, but I want to see you and I want you to see me, even if it's just in pictures and experiences. I like to um, have it more... Um, like an interaction, a dialogue or something? Yeah, I'd like to see who is interacting with me. Um, I do believe my Instagram is strong like bull. <laughs> what? Yeah. 
It says strong like underscore bull. So yeah, see how we do girls and guys? But um, yeah, my Instagram is strong like bull. Um, I do believe my name, Bernadette Thomas, is on there. Um, you can probably put them both in the search bar so we can interact with each other. You can see my family, um, see all kinds of stuff. I'm not shy. Um, and we can chat if you have more questions. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not up with the kids here. <laughs> I'm not with the kids in Snappy Chat or whatever and all that Snappy carrying on. Chat. I, Snapchat. Yeah. And the, is it all that WhatsApp. What's oh, what's up? What's up app or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I can't keep up with all that. But Instagram I love because you can see people doing their thing. And I feel like Yes, there are some things on Instagram that people are definitely not telling the truth about, and I get it. But um, uh, authentic stuff, I want to see that. I want to see you celebrating you because I want to celebrate you too. So. so pretty much she's saying Instagram is the best avenue for you to reach her. I will put that link below so you can, you know, if you have more questions, she is amazing. And I am willing to share her. <laughs> okay. I'll share I've been you. keeping her to myself. <laughs> it was hard, but I shared, okay? So don't tell me I don't share, because I shared. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us, for being a part of this podcast. I'm forever grateful. And please continue to love, hug, be kind, and compassionate to yourself. Until next time, be good, be kind. Be loving, be patient with yourself. It's a process.